I often ask myself, what do we as Christians have that is so good that it's a shame that the world has to live without it? The answer, I believe, is the good news about Jesus, and that is worth sharing. This is Adam Hill, minister of the Word at Rochester Church of Christ, and I pray that today's message shares that good news and that you are richly blessed by it. Amen. Remain standing, please, as we begin with a reading from God's Word from Luke chapter 15. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property among them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out, go back to my father, And say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Father, we thank you that you are a father who always welcomes back your children. God, you are good. Your mercy endures forever. Speak now, Father, for your children are listening. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The story of the prodigal son is likely, thank you, the best known story that Jesus tells. If I had to guess what story is probably best known, what parable of Jesus, what story of Jesus is best known, I would probably go with the story of the prodigal son. And, and, and like many of the parables, Jesus tells a story that we can relate to. 
still use the word prodigal today? All right. Maybe not every day, but when someone is referred to as a prodigal, what, are we, what do we mean? And this is this audience participation portion. You can actually answer this. What do we, what do we mean when we say someone is, is the prodigal of the family? Okay, they're the one that's kind of wandered off and gotten lost. They're the one who, um, okay, they're the black sheep of the family. They're, they're kind of the one that's run away from what they know is good or what they know is right. Right, that they're, they're the person who, who seems to have made the wrong decisions. They've made some mistakes. Maybe it's cost the family some reputation or some honor. Maybe they've blown their life up. The younger son in the story had all these dreams, all these plans, all these ideas, these goals, and he even, he'd even worked out the ways to reach them, and he would just, I can just imagine him telling himself, man, if I could just get the money, if I, if I could just get out of here, if I, if I could just get my chance. So he goes to his father in a supreme act of selfishness and, and, and a supreme act of disrespect. And he says, can you just give me my portion of the inheritance now? The, the way you could serve me best, dad, is by dying. But since you're not dying, can we just act like you're dead? And you just give me my portion right now. That would be the best thing you could do for me. You see, I've got plans. And the first shock in the story as we're listening is that the father does it. Hold on. Come on, good parenting. Step in and say, nope. And you're not going to talk to me like that either. Right? There needs to be something that, that, that comes out of this. Instead, the father goes along with it and he divides his possessions among his two sons. You get your portion. You get your portion. Now, uh, according to the law at that time, what would have happened is the oldest child would have gotten a double portion. And so with the two sons, the oldest son gets two-thirds of the money. The youngest son gets one-third. All right, that's about as good at fractions as I get. So, like, if there were more kids, I wouldn't have understood. <laughs> but the Lord kept it simple for me. Um, and so and so he gives them each. Their portion. The father has divested himself of everything he has. Now in order for the father to survive, he has to survive on the kindness of the sons. He's at their mercy now. To make a long story short, the plans don't work out. The dream never happens. The son that asked for the money... The plans don't work and the money runs out. And, 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 and I'll just tell you, anyone who's ever been there knows it. I've, I, the money runs out. Unless you're Jeff Bezos, the money will run out. All right? And you'll be left facing this question of now what do I do? Now, now, now get this. Get this. 
Everything falls apart, and a lot of it is his fault. He is wasting the money. He's living the wrong way. He's doing wild things. The the scripture makes no bones about that. But did you notice that, that not all of it was his fault? That there was also a severe famine. Sometimes the things that bring us hardships in life are not the result of our choices and are bigger than our ability to shape things. Sometimes the chaos of life just happens and it adds insult to injury. It makes, it it, it expands what are the problems that we have going on already. Sometimes things fall apart because they're beyond our control. And then I notice that two things happen in the story. The first thing happens in verse 17. It says that the son came to his senses. He came to his senses. Now this this doesn't mean he figured everything out. He launched a new plan, and that plan was flawless, and he had it all worked out. No, what it means is he realized what I'm doing isn't working, and if I keep doing it, it's still not going to be working. It is amazing how many people can't come back to the Father because they're not willing to come to their senses and admit that what they're doing isn't working. We call it pride. Okay, we're not willing to say, what I'm doing right now isn't working. Now, the second thing I notice that happens that's pretty critically important is in verse 20. And the first part of verse 20, uh, Luke 15. We'll get it in a moment. Um, In Luke 15 and verse 20, there are nine words that are, that are just nine words of change. Okay? And what it says in Luke 15, verse 20, the first nine words, so he set off and went to his father. He set off and went to his father. Not knowing the consequences. He didn't know how this was going to turn out. He came to his senses and realized, you know, my father's servants can eat, and I can't right now. I should go be one of them. He, he came to his senses and realized what I'm doing is not working. But he's going to go back. He set off and went to his father, not knowing what the father would say. Okay, he doesn't know the result. He doesn't have the end already spelled out. Just willing to say to his father, my plan didn't work. But while he's still far off, the father saw him, was filled with compassion, ran to him, put his arms around him, hugged him, kissed him. This, in fact, is the gospel in one verse. This is the reason to celebrate. I mean, okay, it's the reason to celebrate if you're a prodigal. Prodigal. If you're a prodigal, this is a great story. But remember why Jesus is telling this story in the first place. 
If you look at Luke chapter 15 and verse 1, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So, so the picture we get in Luke 15.1 is this gathering around Jesus. That there's this, this group of sinners and tax collectors. The down and outs. The people who haven't figured it out. And, 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 and they are closest to Jesus. They are gathering around and they are listening to Jesus. And then around those folks, around the down and outs is another circle, an outer ring of know-it-alls and do-it-alls. The folks who religiously have figured it out and they look down their noses at the folks in the inside circle and the messes that they've made of their lives. Not relatable today. today. (laughs) Exactly. Think of how it sounds to this, this two groups, these two groups, when Jesus says, so he got a job tending pigs. And the inner ring says, man, life's like that sometimes. And the outer ring says, that's unconscionable. You, 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 you can't do that. That's inexcusably bad. Those are unclean. But how do the tax collectors and sinners hear it? Doesn't, I, I bet they just love watching the outer ring of folks get so upset. And they're like, I love when Jesus does this. He tells the best stories, man. Look at them getting upset about it. And so Jesus starts off. And the first story he tells them is actually about the lost sheep. Right, he says there's the shepherd who has a hundred sheep. As he's bringing them back in at night, he's counting them up for the rest of the end of the day. And he's like, uh-oh, we only got 99 of them back. Now, if he were a pastor, I can tell you he would be pretty excited because 99% attendance. <laughs> yes, we only, only one of them didn't make it. Let's party because 99 is great. <laughs> he would start quoting, he'd start quoting statistics. You know that now, according to Pew Research, the regular attendance uh, is, is measured as people who believe that they attend once every month is regular attending. So, so you know, 99% is pretty great. You know, he'd be that guy. But the shepherd doesn't do that. Shepherd puts the 99 away, goes out, finds the one that wandered off, rescues it from the brambles that it's caught in, picks it up, puts it on his shoulders, carries it home, brings it back in, singing. Puts it down and is so overjoyed that he calls up his friends and he says, let's have a party. Let's have a party. All of them are accounted for. Everyone made it back home. Then he moves on to the story of the lost coin. 
where there's this woman who has these 10 very important coins, but one of them is lost. Okay, this, this, this coin didn't just wander off. She managed to misplace it. But I'm, but I, and, and you look for it, but then sometimes you don't find what you're looking for. And so you think maybe, maybe there's just these, you know, 90%, okay, 10% loss, not great. But at the same time, enough to teach you a lesson to be more careful with your things, but not detrimental to your whole life. This isn't a life-changing loss in terms of the accounting. But instead, she turns the whole house upside down to find the coin that obviously meant more than 10% to her. So she throws a party in celebration of the economy of grace that baffles the accountants. And lastly, looking out at this group, this inner group of misfits, of sinners, and the outer ring of religious experts and legalists, he tells the story of the lost sons. And you say, hold on, Adam, I may have misheard you. This is the story of the prodigal son, singular. No, this is the story of the lost sons, plural. Because if you pay attention, the father had to go out and find both of them. That both of them were up to doing things their way. And you had one that was, was just completely lawless, and you had one that was a complete legalist, but both of them had missed the understanding of what it meant to belong to the father and to be the father's son. And so the, the father has to go and find each of those children and bring them back home. The older brother were tempted to say, well, yeah, he didn't go crazy. He didn't go off and do all that. There he was every day, faithful, consistent, clocking in. Right? Clocking in. He was going to do his work. Okay, here I am in front of everyone. Look at me. Clocking in for the day right on time. Maybe even five minutes early because I got done with my early devotional. Clock in. Look, I stayed late. I'm the last one clocking out. Bam. Bam doing everything I'm supposed to. But notice that he wouldn't even go into the party. Even when he hears the good news that his lost brother has come home. The older brother can't control his bitterness and his resentment. And what makes it worse is that he is doing the accounting. When he says, Dad, why did, you give, why did you kill the fatted calf for him? He's not just asking, Dad, why are you throwing a party? He's reminding his dad, what? That's my calf. Not yours. You gave me that. And so the father has to say, look, everything I have is yours. I know, I know, I know. I know the expense is on you. But son, we had to do it. No, dad, we didn't. Yes, we did. Don't you realize 
Your brother was lost and now he's found. Your brother was, was dead and now he's alive again. We have, if you can't throw a party for that. Turns out that the father had to go looking for both of his sons because they were both lost doing things their own way. And I know we discussed the meaning. I know we discussed the word prodigal earlier, but do you know what the word prodigal actually means? Get this. Extravagant. Lavish. And yeah, okay, the son, the younger son is in a way extravagant. Goes and spends the money on things that probably shouldn't spend the money on. He's throwing big parties. He's, he's, he's acting like he's got more money than he has. He's flossing. I'm killing it up here. I'm working hard. I'm working hard. I couldn't get at least one of you. Anyway. He's acting like he has more money than he has. He's, he's living extravagantly. Okay, fair enough. And the, and the older brother actually is extravagant on his own, in his own way, but not with things. The older brother's extravagant with his resentment, with his bitterness. It's almost too much. It is too much. But you realize who is the most extravagant in the story, right? It's the father. The most extravagant thing we see in this story, the most lavish thing we hear in this story is the father's heart of mercy and grace. The father's patience and long-suffering is so lavish and extravagant. Kenny, I want you to go ahead and bring your team up. Church, we have a reason to celebrate. Amen? Amen. Because we have a father who says, welcome home. Luke 15, 20 says, you know, I told you the first nine words. So he got up, he got, he got up and he went to his father. But then it says, but while he was a long way off, the father saw him. While he was a long way off, his father saw him. We celebrate a father whose love is so lavish, who runs to us, who throws his arms around us, who kisses us, who tells us, welcome home. He says, yeah, I knew it was you. I was watching and I saw the top of your head come over the horizon and I knew I could tell by the way you walked it was you. You didn't have to be close enough. You're my son and I know what you look like. And I I started running. I couldn't stop myself and I ran and I threw my arms around you and I picked you up. When's the last time? And he's swinging him around and meanwhile the kid is like I've sinned against heaven and against Allah. He's trying his speech. Because he's planned a speech. And what, 
He's trying so hard and the dad won't let him get a word in. His father is like, I want you to get him a robe, get him a ring, get him sandals, give him everything. Let's throw a party, kill the fatted calf. We have to celebrate. He was lost and now he's found. He was dead and now he's alive. And I noticed this. The father never acknowledged the well-rehearsed speech. Because it's not about the quality of your words when you're coming back home. It's not about your elegance. It's about the authenticity of your heart. It's about the humility to come back home. Know this. Long before you even thought about coming home, the Father's been watching you. Long before you even thought about coming home, the Father had his eye on you every day. And if you come home today, you'll find arms open wide. And you'll hear your Father say, Welcome home. Let's stand and let's praise our God. A quick confession here. Truth be told, as I preach, I'm often preaching at myself. I'm saying what I need to be reminded of. Thankfully, my struggles and questions are not just mine. It turns out that being human brings some pretty universal challenges to all of us. I am so thankful for the good news of Jesus Christ. It has never let me down. I pray that today's message blessed you with the good news. Remember, you are loved and chosen.